Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Try Faster podcast presented by the Fort Worth Tri Club, where we dive into triathlon-specific training and coaching uh, and discuss current triathlon news and races. My name is Michael. Uh, I am an average amateur age group triathlete, and I am joined by my coach and friend, Keith Kotar. How are you doing, Keith? Good, Michael. I'm glad to, glad to be back after a long time away. Yeah, it's been a very long time. We'll talk about that in today's episode. We're a uh, very timely topic uh, across not just the North America, but Europe as well. Um, we're going to be talking about heat, how to train in the heat. Uh, we're also going to be talking about the PTO Canadian Open that's coming up this next weekend. Uh, and we're going to lay out a whole bunch of excuses as to why it's been nearly two months since we last spoke. So uh, I'll kick that one off, Keith, and just kind of give, give everyone an update. Uh, our last episode about two months ago, um, we went to a wedding afterward, uh, a mutual friend's wedding, and which was awesome, but we were traveling. Both of us were traveling. Then we got back and I got COVID. So I was out for a little over a week and no issues with COVID from a training perspective, if anyone's wondering, um, other than just needing to take a week or so off to rest up and heal. The hardest part on on my end personally was that we have two young kids at home and, and once you have COVID and the kids get COVID. It was just really hard to have anyone. You can't have anyone come over and watch them. So, so really the biggest strain on us and our, our family was childcare. Um, but from a training triathlon running perspective, uh, no issues. Uh, and then after that, you know, we can kind of jump into some personal updates. Keith, on your end, you were traveling a whole bunch. Yeah. So I think probably right about when you were starting to get better from COVID, I hit the road for a long time. Um, we went up to uh, Wisconsin for a junior race. Uh, I got to see in person for a little while. Yeah. Um, and then that was kind of a crazy weekend. We left on Thursday and we were gone Thursday through the weekend and drove through the night and got back Monday morning and then had kind of one day of organization, I think. And then, uh, packed my bike and I went off to Europe for a couple of weeks. Um, I think right, right before we recorded our last episode, um, I had gotten, uh, USAT had gotten in touch with me and and they asked me to go to Europe to coach, um, our junior national team for a kind of a training and racing camp before Worlds. So I got to be the assistant coach for that trip. And we spent about eight days in, in Austria and then four, four days in, in Germany. And it was really fun. It was great to, I've never been to Europe before. So it was, it was fun to go, uh, just kind of see some different things and, Got in a little bit of good training the first week or so. Uh, Germany wasn't really conducive to training, so I ended up taking about a week off there toward the end of the trip. Um, but the riding was great in Austria. Um, all the all the towns were just connected by little roads, and they were numbered for bike paths and told you how far away the next town was, and you could just ride. And the speed limit was between thirty and fifty k an hour, so the cars were going maybe slower than we were sometimes on the bikes. And, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we, we took over three boys and three girls and they raced back to back weekends. And then, um, after the Euro camp, they flew to Canada for worlds. I came home, um, and then they met their, their actual full-time coaches in Canada for the world championship. Um, but it was great. We ended up getting three medals out of the, the 12 possible medals over the, the two races. So that was great. Um, and then uh, Reese, he went on and got a bronze at Worlds. And so it was, I think it was a really good experience for everybody. Uh, it was great for me as a coach just to kind of work with them on the day-to-day -day and see what travel is like in Europe. And hopefully that's something I'll have to, to deal with with my own athletes you know, down the road or maybe with USA athletes again in the future. So it was yeah, a great learning experience. Uh, that's really cool. I think it's, it's awesome for you. It's awesome for the kids that get that opportunity to go over there and race. Uh, and I think it's just really cool, you know, Hey, non-elite athletes aside, it's really cool to hear your experience in Europe. Like it's totally different from just a biking perspective. Um, like I don't bike outdoors really at all, unless it's on a gravel path and in Europe just does it totally different. So uh, I've been in Europe a couple of times, only had a chance to bike once over there. I hope, I hope I get a chance to do some more of it because what you're describing sounds pretty neat. Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, and then the most important part possibly was my favorite band is from Germany, Ramstein, And I was able to catch them in Germany on the last night they were in, in Dusseldorf. I had no responsibilities left from a coaching perspective. And, uh, 
I didn't get any sleep that night because we had to leave at 3 a.m. to go to the airport, but got to go to a soccer stadium and see them with 60,000 other people. And that wow. was quite an experience. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea who they are. And I don't, I don't reckon that that many people know who they are, at least here in North America that might be listening. But, but if you do, um, yeah, drop, drop key to line. He can give you more details on how that concert was. <laughs> yeah. Is that like some heavy metal stuff? Yeah, you'll you'd probably recognize yeah. they were they they hit their peak like in the nineties and two thousands. They got on the radio oh. in America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, cool, cool. Awesome. Um, well, while you've been gone, yes, I recovered from COVID. Um since I would say middle of June, my training overall, kind of quick train update has been going pretty well. The volume in the running is picking up a little bit. From, from the uh, program you've been giving me, I dropped into some local road races, Tour of America's Dairyland. One thing that I, I would, when I say it out loud, it kind of sounds a little bit silly, but my bike, my run fitness did not really translate very well to bike fitness for Tour of America's Dairyland. I, I really thought like my running this year is better than years past. I'm, I was certainly aware that those high-end efforts, the repeatability probably wasn't going to be there, but I definitely felt out of my comfort zone, even just holding, you know, what would probably be 80 to 90% of what my threshold was a year ago. So it was surprising to me to, to see or feel that decline. I don't know if my threshold has probably really dropped that much, but not riding hard on the bike definitely changed my perspective of, of what riding hard on the bike was plus not riding my bike a lot. I didn't have the, the handling skills for it. So I pretty much got chewed up and spit out in a couple of road races and decided that was enough. Um, maybe next year, once I'm spending a little bit more time on the bike, but my focus is, as I've talked about in prior um, podcasts is really singularly on the Chicago marathon, building up mileage, building up speed, uh, and with the goal of running sub three hours in October at that race. So, um, right now I still need to identify a half marathon for early fall. So we can kind of tune, use that as a little bit of a tune up race. Um, but running has been going pretty well and I, and I feel like we're, we're making some major strides here in the middle of the summer. Yeah, I think so too. And the one thing about the, the riding, I, I did put away the, the swim and bike for six months, a few years ago and ran a marathon. And when I picked up triathlon again, I noticed that it felt like my maximum power on the bike was higher than it was before. Like I could hit really high Watts for a few seconds, but my threshold definitely went down. And so anything that was longer than 10 mm -hmm. seconds, it, it seemed like it suffered from not riding. Um, but the strength was still there on the, the upper end. But, yeah. I, I feel like a year ago in, in some of these road races locally, you know, coming out of a corner, five, 600 Watts, you kind of expect it, especially I'm just, you know, cat four field anyway. Um, a lot of surges and all that going on. And, um, that felt rather comfortable to me a year ago. And I didn't do a lot of crit training. It was still just triathlon, a lot of steady state tempo, sweet spot some VO2 type efforts, but still that felt comfortable a year ago. This year it was like one or two of those and, I, and my legs already felt it. Um, and then trying to settle into anything that felt steady or should feel steady was, was not. So that's okay. That's not the focus. I know that that fitness will come back or the fitness in the engine that we're working on, on the run, it's going to benefit that in the future. So I'm not concerned at all. It's not the focus right now, even though I miss triathlon, I really do. I can't believe this is, I think I talk, I've talked about it before. I've done a triathlon for like 13 or 14 years, at, at least one. Um, and most years, many multiple triathlons. This is the first year without a single triathlon. And that's kind of weird for me. I miss it. Yeah. Maybe we'll find you something after Chicago. You can come down and visit because we have triathlons still in November down here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you raced Keith? Yeah. So I got back from Europe on, a Tuesday and we left to go to 70.3 Lubbock on Friday. And, uh, I went in with a much different mindset, having not really trained a whole lot. I just, um, I wasn't sure going into the race if I wanted to take a world spot or not. And so, um, I went in conservatively and just tried to see how fast I could do a 70.3 kind of just treating it like an easy workout. Um, I probably went too easy in the swim, uh, because my swim was really, really bad. I think I lost 10 minutes to the front. Um, I just kind of went out there and cruised around and I, it took a while. Um, and then on the bike, I rode about 30 Watts lower than usual 
and just kept it really easy. Um, I averaged, I think, about 23 and a half ish miles an hour, 23, six, something like that. Um, and I biked 223. And then I just got off and started running easy and just kept it pretty comfortable the whole way. Um, a guy passed me on the run. I didn't even try to go with him. I just said, I'm not going to race. I'm just going to keep it easy. And um, I ended up running, I think, 126. And my total time was 431. So I ended up getting a spot and I decided to take it. So um, I'll go back to St. George at the end of October. A little bit nervous about what the weather might be like. Um, but yeah, that's that's going to be the focus the rest of the year. Uh, my favorite race is a sprint try. Uh, close by, I'm going to do that in a couple of weeks. And then it'll be 70.3 training the next three months or so. And uh, cool. the PTO US Open will be here in Dallas five weeks from Worlds. So that's kind of perfect to get a good long course training race in. And then Worlds after that. Awesome. Well, congrats on your world spot. And that's kind of how I feel like uh, how 70.3 racing should feel like it should feel mostly easy, um, except for key parts of it. But, um, it's interesting. You, you're describing a race that was pretty much entirely easy. You still got your world spot and, um, yeah, good luck in St. George. It's a, it's a super fun course. And I know when we were there last year, it was tough. Like you didn't really get to enjoy it because of the weather that came in, in the middle of the race on the bike. Um, and that kind of just, I think it, it threw both of us off a lot of other people that were out there as well. Um, just completely off from their game. Cause you were just kind of reeling from the hail and the wind that you got beat up by. So, um, cool. Congrats. And, uh, I look forward to kind of hearing good news and seeing a good result in September. Yeah, I, I hope so. I'm, I'm excited for it. I, um, it was, it was interesting just kind of taking in the race from a, a different perspective. I wasn't trying to, I didn't take any risks and I didn't ever really push too hard. I don't even know if I ever hit anything more than 300 Watts at all. I don't, um, I just was nice and easy. My normalized yeah. power was only 182. Um, so it was pretty low. Yeah. Nice. Awesome stuff. Well, over the next several months, you're going to be focused on 70.3. I'm building for the Chicago Marathon, and everyone across North America and Europe is dealing with heat waves. Uh, temperatures over 100 degrees and 40 Celsius, um, and and we're all having to kind of train through it. And it means a whole lot of different things for our training. And we want to talk about that, um, Keith. You're going to kind of give your perspective on you know kind of the coach's standpoint, how to how to prepare yourself. I'd like to kind of get my perspective on how I handle and prepare myself from a, from an amateur athlete um, standpoint. And, uh, and we'll go through this and hopefully give everyone a little bit of an idea of, of what they can do to better train in the heat. It's unavoidable. So uh, Keith, I'll let you kick us off. Okay. Yeah. So we've had a lot of heat down here in Texas. It's been over a hundred every day for a while. Uh, Michael, you sent me a text the other day about the, the hot weather and it was in the eighties. And, uh, we would, we would kill for the eighties right now. Um, it was like mid eighties and humid though. Like there's a lot of factors to heat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was one Oh nine feels like one sixteen here, uh, the day before yesterday. So, um, it's been, it's been pretty rough. And so I think kind of you, you expect a lot of physical responses when you're, when you're training in the heat. Um, I've had a lot of people that I coach asking me like why they're running so slowly and why they feel so bad. And, you know, it's not that we suddenly forgot. Uh, I didn't forget how to coach and none of these people forgot how to run, you know, in the last few weeks. Um, it's just been really, really warm. Um, I mean, even for us, our track workout yesterday morning, it was 88 at 5.30 a.m. with the sundown. And so um, that's just kind of normal. Like your heart rate's going to be a little bit higher. You're probably going to be a little bit slower. Um, I think one of the big signs to look out for is you're probably going to be just more fatigued not even from training, but just from your daily life. Cause it's going to take, you know, a little bit more out of you. Um, and then dehydration too in your daily life, not just in the training. And so, uh, we need to make sure that we're replacing the fluids that we lose while we're training, but just in your day to day, don't forget to drink enough in between because just that little bit, you know, a few percent more, uh, sweat loss, right. We're, we're losing electrolytes. We're losing fluids, um, all day long. So, um, that's a, that's something we have to look out for. Okay. I want to maybe make one quick point and then 
ask you a couple questions if I can. The first is it's all relative. So I want to kind of defend that earlier, right? Hey, mid eighties to upper eighties with the real fields jumping into the nineties, 95, that that's still very hot. You have to, you have to contemplate the humidity. You have to contemplate the temperatures. You have to contemplate the course. Is it going to be a shaded course that you're going to be running or riding on? Is it going to be out in the sun? All those things come into play and it's relative to what you're used to. Um, so for me in Illinois, where the, the average temperatures don't ever get it really up into the upper 80s, lower 90s, when we get those spikes and there's still that humidity that's lingering on, that's hot. Uh, if you're in Texas and you get temps in the 80s, that probably feels really good for you, especially with what you're going through right now. Um, most people in Europe, though, with temps well over 40 Celsius, they're not used to that and, and they're feeling it uh, when they're out riding biking. Um, so, so I think just keep that in mind. What one person is used to in another part of the country or a different country, um, doesn't mean that you can go out there and, Hey, they're used to working out in 90 or hundred degrees. doesn't mean you can, cause you've never, or haven't been doing it for a very long time. So keep that right. in mind. Here's my question for you though. It's like, is it okay? Should we always be doing our workouts outdoors if it's nice? And it was something that we had originally planned to do or, are there times when the temperature would force us to change our plans? Uh, and if so, like when, or how do we, how do we know when we need to change our plans, move the workout indoors to avoid that heat? So I think this comes, uh, this kind of adds on to what you said about what you're used to. So if you feel like you could get, if you plan on a, if you have a workout that's planned to be outside and you feel like you can still get the quality out of it, then go ahead and do it outside. But I think that, when you get to the point where there's going to be diminishing returns on your, your physical investment, then it's probably not worth it. So if it's so hot outside that your heart rate's really high, um, and let's say you're doing like some sort of threshold workout on the bike, but your heart rate is crazy. So your actual, the power output is, is way below your threshold. Then that's probably a sign we want to do it inside. Um, I think on the flip side of that is if you're training for a hot race, potentially, then you may want to, make sure that you do do some of your, your structured quality workouts outside and then do, um, you know, maybe a half of them inside, half of them outside, just so that you're exposing yourself to the heat. Um, but I think the thing that makes it hard too, especially for a normal age grouper is if you're working like an eight to five or nine to five, then you're really kind of coming just, you're just past the hottest part of the day. Right. So like here in Texas, we kind of hit peak heat around four. And so if you're just getting off at five, it's probably hotter than you're going to experience on race day. Unless like you said, you live somewhere cooler than where you're racing. Um, but for here, you know, with a couple of big races here in Texas, we're not going to be racing at 5 PM. And so, you know, realistically, you're probably better off doing it in the morning outside or doing it in the morning inside and just keeping it under control. Um, because I think that heat training from, as far as when it's hot outside is different than preparing to train in the heat. So like, if you want to kind of simulate the conditions of your race, you can always not use a fan and ride inside, right. Just to get yourself right. hot. Um, you don't have to expose yourself to the extreme heat that we have here in Texas. Okay. Give me your perspective then on this. Is it better to adjust a workout like a key tempo or speed or race pace effort is it better to adjust that downward and go outside or stick inside or really work on, Hey, maybe there's a better way to go about it and get out there at a time of day. That's cooler. Right. Um, what, what is the preferred route for an athlete to take adjust the workout or stick inside, uh, or maybe even try to do it at a different time of day, move the day, et cetera for, for those, those key efforts that will really be more difficult in a high heat situation. I think moving the time of day is probably the best option because you don't actually need to be training outside to get heat acclimation. And so if you're, if you're just around the heat, then you're going to, you don't have to train to get that same effect. Right. So we can, so for us just living here in hundred plus every day, we're getting some, some training effect as far as the heat acclimation. So I would say moving the time of day is probably the best and then going indoors um, and then adjusting the workout. So uh, like you said, with your example of having um, 
to adjust the actual workout, like a tempo, a tempo type workout, you know, maybe if you're doing something like three by 20 minutes, maybe you break that up into three sets of four by five minutes, you know, with a little bit of extra rest in between sit up, pour some cold water over your head, you know, and then kind of get back into the effort. Cause the other thing is your heart rate's going to be higher. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's also probably going to stay higher during your rest. So you could even shorten that down and maybe your three by 20 minutes is actually going to be three sets of three by five minutes. So you're only getting 45 minutes of work instead of 60 minutes of work, but your heart rate is going to be elevated more during the recoveries than it probably would on a cooler day or inside. Is that something you look at as a coach? Like, Hey, did we stick to the right heart rate zone, even though, Hey, we cut the intervals back or we added rest midway. Is that something you're focused on as a coach, like heart rate zones when it comes to heat or, or does heat throw the heart rate zones off because your body's, your body's getting pressured from additional stress. So two things in that one, we should have an episode about heart rate and if it's useful or not. And okay. <laughs> Um, I do think that he throws off your heart rate. Like it's just, it's going to be higher. And so you're going to feel more uncomfortable at a, at a, you know, a power effort that should be comfortable. Right. Yeah. And so I think the biggest thing is just to listen to your heart rate because that's probably going to, to affect your perceived exertion. Um, and sometimes it doesn't, I've had a couple athletes say that their heart rate is just through the roof, but their RPE is really low. And so that's, that's kind of the situation we need to be careful in because you don't want to push too hard and then have your heart rate go, go crazy high. Right. And so I don't want to say that it throws off training zones because I really don't like to prescribe heart rate zones. And that's why we should have just ever talk about that. Um, but I think that your heart rate is something to monitor because your body is having to do a lot of work if your heart rate's higher. All right. Here's, here's, I kind of think one of my last questions, but it might dive into more questions. What are the best workouts to do outside when it's hot to hit? And I'm thinking, Hey, you're going to do a race in the future. You want to be acclimated to higher attempts. How do you, what are the best types of workouts to do outdoors to get that acclimation? What types of workouts will you not really see nearly as much benefit in by taking them outdoors in the heat? So I think, um, looking at probably the demographic of our our podcast is that it's probably mostly long course athletes. So I think doing your long, easy ride out in the heat or your long, easy run out in the heat would probably get the most acclimation without crushing your body. But if you're trying to do quality workouts outside, then, you know, keep them shorter. Or um, if you're a short course athlete doing things that are race specific, so they're not going to be super long. You know, if you're doing a hard run and you're doing sprinter Olympic, maybe your, your main set's only going to take 20 minutes then that's good to do in the heat because it's not a really long exposure, but you are working at the capacity that you'll be working at on race day. Okay. That's kind of what I felt, but thank you for that clarification. I've always loved that idea of like doing the easy stuff out in the heat, even if it's the middle of the day here. Um, But when it comes to those hard workouts, I feel like my heart rate's through the roof. It doesn't line up with my perceived exertion or where I, where it should be for a given effort. And I always end up trying to say, okay, Hey, if I have to do this in the middle of the day, or I have to do it at 5 PM, I'm going to put that on the treadmill or I'm going to get on the trainer to do it because it's not gonna, I'm not going to get that, the quality from it that I need to. Right. And I think that heat is, it's almost kind of like elevation, right? Like when, when you hear athletes talk about, you know, uh, live high and train low, right. I think that the heat is Mm -hmm. kind of the same thing. Like you do your, your easier stuff in the heat for the acclimation, and then you can go do your fast stuff when it's cool so that you make sure you're actually getting the leg speed and the, the top end power. I think, yeah, I really think that's one of the coolest things right now. If you're on Instagram, check out or follow one of your favorite professional triathletes. Um, a lot of them right now are talking about training in the heat. There's heat going on across the entire Northern hemisphere. Um, Daniela reef, I think most recently, probably I was checking out one of her posts. She was talking about training in the heat and, and how she feels doing her easy workouts in the heat, that the heat is just an added benefit to her training. Um, and, and it sucks training in the heat, but how I'm trying to go about it is mentally thinking, thinking of it just the way she was presenting it is the heat, especially with those easy workouts, it's going to allow you to get a little bit more out of it. It's going to add a little bit more stress to your body, to your cardiovascular system, because your body's trying to keep cool, go out there, do your easy workout, 
uh, and you're going to get a little bit extra from doing it in the heat. It can be a good thing for our training. Yeah, I think so too. I think you just, it's, it's nice to, it's like free. It's like the, the poor man's elevation. Is that, is that right? (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, let's, let's then share a a workout then Keith, you've been giving me a ton um, and we can adjust those for heat. And I'd let you know which days uh, we're expecting the most heat up here uh, in Illinois, but how are, what type of workouts are you giving your athletes right now, especially in Texas? So I think a lot of the, a lot of our athletes are still training pretty much like normal, just because, um, everyone's used to it by now. Um, every once in a while we do have to make some adjustments. And so I think I'm not going to give like an exact workout, uh, like we normally do, but I think like we kind of said earlier is, you know, if you're looking at something that's a longer workout, um, chop it up into pieces, you know? Um, and so just make sure you're getting in kind of the main part of the workout, but you can, you can cut it down. Um, shorten the warm up too, I think is a big thing because you're going to naturally warm up faster. So you might not need 15, 20, 30 minutes to warm up, you know, maybe 10 minutes is all you need, uh, depending on the sport. And then, uh, start to maybe use the first interval. If you're doing some sort of interval session, kind of as an extension of the warm up, and then move into the workout. So like, if you're doing one K repeats on the run, say you're doing eight of them, you know, 10 minute warm up, maybe not even seven or eight minute warm up, couple strides, get into the intervals. And then maybe the first interval you're planning on being 10 seconds slow, five or 10 seconds slow, and then kind of work into it and get to the pace, you know, the last five or six intervals. Uh, that way it's a little less taxing and it, it's a little less time, you know, out, out in the elements. Yeah. Awesome. Um, oh, and I wanted to, I forgot, I almost skipped past this bullet point we've talked about a lot of these, but how to prepare for training in the heat. Um, one time of day, if you can get out in a cooler time of day, you're going to be benefited by that. You don't necessarily have to train in 90 or hundred degree heat to gain some acclimation to, to training in the heat, 80 or 75, 85. Maybe you can do that. If you get out at four five, six 6 AM in the morning and get your workout done, go ahead and do that. Some people like myself, I've never been a good morning workout person. Um, so, so for me, that one doesn't work, but if it does for you, great, take advantage of it. Now, next up fluids. Um, this is something I've been doing, um, not just during your workout, make sure you're drinking fluids throughout the day. Um, but when you are working out, I don't know, I don't see a lot of other runners when I'm out there, even when it's extremely hot, um, wearing a pack or carrying water. Um, but when I'm doing anything over hour 15, hour 30, I'm going to take a hydration vest with me. It's going to have at least a liter or so of water in it. And I'm probably going to drink most of it, if not all of it before the end of that workout. Um, it's going to be worthwhile. Uh, and again, Hey, that vest, it's, it's going to make you feel a little bit better during the workout. You're going to recover a little bit easier after the workout. And I think people try to avoid wearing the vest. Maybe they think it's dorky, uh, or they think it's added stress because they're carrying that added weight, but just consider it, um, again, added stress to the workout and you're going to get a little bit more out of it. So Keith, do you ever, you ever wear a pack when you work out? No, I'm afraid that it'll alter my stride. So I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Um, uh, I don't know what, what type of pack you're, you're looking at, how many gallons you're thinking about carrying, but it d- does not alter your stride. I would much rather, um, do multiple loops and, and just get water yeah. from the car wherever I am. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the other point I had here good idea to stage fluids. Um, if you're going to, if you can do a smaller loop and you can stage fluids at a, at a kind of a rest stop for you, that's a good idea as well. Course selection. Um, there's so many paths around where I I live. I know which ones have more shade than others. If you know, it's going to be a hot sunny day, obvious pick the right path. Uh, and then the last point I have here, which I think we, 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 we all have our workout gear for different types of weather. Uh, we're not going to go into this in, in a lot of detail, but it's clothing, right? If you feel like you're not getting that, the sweat wicked away and it's not cooling on, on the exterior of your fab, uh, of your clothing, look at getting some new clothing, new shorts, different, um, different tops, tank tops, things like that, more airflow, better wicking fabrics. You're going to feel a whole lot better. Yeah, for sure. And I think the the other part about course selection too is if you have a chance to run um, on a shaded loop, even when it's hot out, that you're still getting 
you're still going to feel the heat, um, but then you can kind of keep the sun off, you know? And so I think that's, that's something to keep in mind too. You don't have to run in the sun to get benefits from the heat, just being out there. Um, you'll, you'll feel the heat plenty. Kind of a side note here though. I have been running more uh, up and down a shaded route that I didn't like run right on just a little over a week ago. Got the new Garmin 955. I've been using the 920, um, which has like a very, I mean, that's an eight or nine year old watch in Garmin's product history. Um, but the, the new 955, much better GPS accuracy. Anytime I'd be in a shade route, it would constantly be throwing me off the path. And I knew my run wasn't precise. And the time when I'm looking at my pace was never quite precise, but I thought over a course of a mile, it would be pretty accurate to what I would see on the 955. And I was surprised that it wasn't, um, like we were almost a hundred meters off from the first mile. Um, and then by the second mile, I, th- I think it, it, typically performs a little bit better. Um, but there's a, there's a mile where I'm almost a hundred meters off, which is quite significant when you're trying to run a mile for a time. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big difference. That's a huge difference. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm faster now. It's, it's often a good way. So that makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think that kind of covers it for the heat training. We're going to jump into some news. We're going to do quick one, minute or less recaps of the world championships we missed doing that because pre-mentioned covid jamaica travel europe and other things we're going to talk about uh roth which was just a week or so ago and then we're going to provide a little bit more of a preview for the canadian open keith give me your one minute or less recap on the world championship i did not start i think that's it that's you know uh everybody that we wanted to see right gustav didn't start alistair brownlee didn't start um so that was pretty disappointing uh, just to kind of see the biggest uh the biggest names that we wanted to to see all finally meet together uh didn't start the race um so i think we we pretty much just got the result that we expected that christian was going to win um you know Ferdano didn't start either forgot about that one there were so many so um yeah we knew I think about it that. was yeah um but i i mean I think Christian is the guy right now until he races Gustav this weekend. And then we'll see, I guess, but, um, yeah, Christian winning, I think that was expected. Um, I don't know that there were really any huge surprises. I mean, Braden Curry's always been, you know, competitive and he's been around. And I think that uh, him getting third maybe was a little bit of a surprise, but you know, he's proven that he can do it. He's been done well in Kona he's done well in a lot of big races. So that wasn't, wasn't too out of, out of nowhere when you kind of look at the depth of the field. Um, and then on the women's side, uh, it was, it was nice, I think, to see Daniela back. Um, you know, it's been so long. I forgot our podium picks. I think, I think I picked those three in some order. Trying to remember. I I had Daniela not on the podium and I feel like she must be listening to our podcast when she crossed the line and she was trying to, I think she was giving something to the doubters and the haters. And I, and I felt like she was pointing at me. Um, so if I help motivate Danielle, then I'm happy about that. And I'm actually, I'm very happy to see her, to see her win. And in the fashion that she did, like, if she's going to bike like that, she's going to be back in that form. She's going to run like that. Like that's, that's old Daniela. There's no one on her level. And I'm really happy to see that. Uh, and then on the, on the men's side, I, what I was surprised about was that there was no big major bike attacks. Everyone was relatively biking. And I know they're biking hard, but there was relatively limited movement. The pack of five guys at the front of the field stayed at the front of the field with their handful of minute lead throughout most of the bike. Uh, Cam Worth made a little bit of a running uh, upward, but he kind of did it by himself. Lionel Sanders sat back and let Cam go. That was surprising to me. Um, Lionel did it on the run, though, got up in the second. So, yeah, I think I agree with your assessment. It's Christian's a man until proven otherwise. And we're going to get to see this weekend uh, if he can be proven otherwise. Yeah. All right. That was definitely over a minute. We got to do better at Roth. <laughs> okay. All right. Roth. You go, Roth. What's your one minute or less takeaway? Uh, I think the most interesting thing about Roth is that it wasn't a surprise that Magnus Didlev won. I think the biggest surprise is that 
the PTO scoring system says that his Ironman was the greatest Ironman of all time. So is, it, is that the highest point total ever? The highest point total ever. Wow. Oh. At 117.66. And okay. uh, he very nearly broke Ferdano's course record. I think he was just a few seconds off, um, but it was a non-wetsuit swim. And so he easily would have gotten those few seconds and, and broken the course record. Um, his bike was 401.56. And I think that what a lot of people have kind of said about this race is you almost can't compare year to year because of the, the vehicular traffic and like how much media coverage there is. And so, you know, some people think he only bikes so fast because he had basically a, an escort the whole way, but still he, he still bikes so fast and, and then got off and he had the second fastest run. Um, and he had a 15 minute lead over Patrick long. so he wasn't going to get caught out there unless he, he blew up. So, yeah, well, he, he, uh, did he know, did Jan know ahead of time? That's why I was trying to figure out that he was pulling out at 10 K. So I think Jan so. was, Jan was right there pacing with him and just helped him pace that bike extra hard. And, and he still ran well after it, but so that was impressive to me. I'm happy to see Patrick place second. What was surprising to me is like, you cannot do well in an Ironman. And we also saw it at the world championships, same long. You cannot do well at, at this Ironman distance swimming 55, 56, 57 minutes. Right. Strong enough to compete with them on the bike and the run, but he can't do that. You can't, you can't swim 55 plus minutes when all these other athletes are going to swim 50. You're just in a different race. Um, yeah, on the women's that, side, Annie Haug. That, that comes in. You just, one more thing about Sam is that when he swims that far back, even though he's a really strong cyclist, he still lost 10 minutes to Magnus. And you wonder if some of that is because he was by himself and not with, not with people and not with camera crews. Yep. For sure. Has to be. You don't know where you're at. You don't know where you're at in the race. You feel defeated. Like it could be pack dynamics could be 18 other things, but you're not going to compete. If you come off five minutes from the lead and the lead pack is not just one or two people. There's a pack. Um, Annie Hogg on the women's side, I think outside of Daniela, unless you're going to put 15 minutes into her on the run, you're not going to beat her. That's my takeaway. Um, Fenella tried her best. She got seven minutes on her in the swim. Didn't bike well enough though. Uh, the gap closed on the bike and, and just blew her apart on the run. Yeah. And you know, the, the women's field was a, not nearly as, as loaded down as the guys. Um, you know, only nine women finished and they were spread out over nearly an hour and a half out there on the course. So, um, not quite as exciting, um, for the women, but, uh, and is obviously in good shape. So it'll be fun to watch her in Kona here in a couple months. She's, I think she's the only one that can compete with Daniela, but she has to come off the bike within 10 minutes. Like that's, that's a must. Yeah. At least maybe less. Okay. The way Daniela's running. Yeah. All right. right, So let's let's flip it over. Yeah. I'm excited about these PTO races that we're going to start seeing. If you want to watch them, download the app, computer, phone, mobile, they're free, right? I think they're free. They Um, are. If you're in Europe, I think they're televised, but you have access. I think you have access to them online as well. So anyone can watch them. I'm happy that they're free. Hopefully the coverage will be, will be good. Yeah. So uh, looking at um, the women's field, I think uh, there's a lot of big names here. And the one thing that I, I want to commend to the PTO on is they they filled the field to 40. So it pays to 40. And whenever people turn down spots, they didn't just leave them open. They they rolled down through the rankings to fill all the spots. So um, you get $2,000 just for showing up and finishing. And I'm, I'm having some expenses. Yeah. 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 That's good for triathlon. But it's a hundred thousand. Yeah, it's, it's a wild idea, though. Can they keep doing that? That's the question. So yeah. we'll find out. Uh, okay, another conversation for a different day. Yeah. yeah. Who do you like on this start list? Paula. Paula. Paula's going to win. She's really? she's at home. She's always always good. She's at home. Her mom is the race director. She knows this course. She's going to just crush yeah. everybody. It's going to be close. And she just crush. won the Canadian. She just won the Canadian cycling time trial championship. 
I saw that. So she's back. I like, it's just hard to know how back is she? I think she has the capability to do it. This is a loaded field. It is, but she's going to be a front pack swimmer and she's going to drop everybody on the bike and then have the fastest run. Okay. Um, I think Laura Phillip will, will be right there in contingent with her. Ashley Gentile will be right there with her sky. I, I liked her at the Ironman distance. I don't know if she as spicy, um, in these half or even, this is technically a shorter than a half Ironman distance. Right. If I, if I have that correct in the and Fennell language, like there, there's five, and there's multiple women I didn't mention that I think are in contention for one of those top three spots. Yeah. And there's, there are lots of, even down toward the bottom of the list, the, the lower rank athletes. I mean, there's still are a lot of big names out there. Uh, but I think that the biggest part will be if we see someone um, like if Paula can come out of the water with someone like Lauren Brandon or Pamela Oliveira or a couple of the really fast swimmers, and then she's got people to ride with then that would, would change the race. Um, I think the, the wild card on here is Nicholas Beard because she's not, um, she hasn't, she hasn't done a ton of long course stuff. Um, really just like the last year she's done some long course. And so I think it'll be interesting to see what she does. And we, I think we can expect her to be behind out of the water. And so if there are some maybe mediocre, slightly better than mediocre swimmers, and she rolls them up on the bike, you know, if there's going to be a huge chase pack uh, coming for the front, because Nicola will be just pulling everybody along. I think this is going to be a contested women's field. I don't think that this is a, a win by big margins type of field. I don't even want to pick a top three. I don't even know who I can just feel too conflicted. I would love to see Paula pull it apart though. If she does, that would really kind of, that would be challenging in my head. Cause it would, feel like she must have a home course advantage. And I don't know if I believe in that or not. She should not win blowing this field away. She could win, but it shouldn't be a blow. She shouldn't be blowing them away. I, I think she's, she's going to win my, my picks. I, I'm going to take Paula first and I think Laura Phillip will get second. And then Ashley gentle is my pick for third. I, I like it. I think sky am a palant. Jenny Matzler. Uh, man, there's so there's a ton here. Uh, Fennell Langridge, all are going to be right there. This is going to be a tight race. We're going to see competition in this women's field. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, Laura Phillip, though, she hasn't lost since 2020. She hasn't raced a lot, but it has been a while. No, no, she's tough. She's tough. Uh, okay, let's let's flip it over to the men's side. We've talked Christian. He's the man until he's been until proven otherwise. And we were all bummed when Gustav wasn't able to start or participate in the world championship in St. George. They're both on this start list. We have Lionel Sanders. Uh, we have Jackson Laundry, uh, who in Ironman 70.3 California beat a bunch of the guys on this list, uh, including Alistair Brownlee. Um, surprised a bunch of people. Uh, can he show that type of form? Um, Ben Canute again at that race, Jason West, an amazing runner, Kyle Smith, who was in that front pack at the Ironman world championships training partner to Jan. I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't know Kyle Smith was Jan's training partner. I should have, um, he has to be included, uh, in the conversation, uh, and Sebastian Keenly. I and mean, there's, there's tons of people here. Who are you looking at? Who's going to surprise? Um, I think the surprise is going to be Frederick Funk. <laughs> because he'll be a little bit down after the swim and he's going to make up lots of time on the bike. Um, but I, I'm, I feel like this is going to be a chance for Gustav to win. I, I I'm going to take Gustav over Christian. I'm not sure why I feel like Christian is probably more prepared for a shorter distance race than Gustav, but I just feel like Gustav's going to be ready. And so those are the two I have my eye on. I think Gustav will win and Christian will get second. And there's probably names on this list I would pick over Lionel, but I think I'm going to go Canadian because it's a Canadian race and Lionel will keep it together to get third. Home, home course advantage. It is. It's the home course advantage. He'll be he'll be okay. pumped up to race at home. Um, but I hope that same thing for Jackson Laundry. I think he could be in there. Um, 
Matt Hansen just won Ironman Des Moines. And so he's in good shape, but that was also less than a month ago. So I'm not sure, you know, how, how fatigued he's going to be from that. Um, you know, you can't count out like David McNamee either. You know, he's been on the the podium at Kona. Um, and then I've heard that Alistair Brownlee is racing for sure. And so he's going to be my pick for fourth because I think that he'll be overly aggressive, probably die somewhere around 15 K on the run and then get fourth. I hope he doesn't. He can't, he can't have that reputation. He's way too good to have that reputation. Um, it would be very interesting. Like there's going to be a pack of really good swimmers up the road. And you made an interesting comment that, Hey, you're going to see Frederick Funk get on the bike, charge up through the field. Maybe Sebastian Keenley is with him. Andrew Starkowitz haven't seen him race in a really long time. Is he going to be yeah. there on the bike biking too hard? I don't believe in today's field. You can charge through on the bike and have any chance of success on the run with how good the the front of the field is. You might catch them. You might get close. I don't think you'll ever overcome the front of the field. At best, you Uber bike yourself right up into contention into the front pack. And then you're going to blow up on the run because you spent way too much energy, burned too many matches to get there. Um, So any of those people that are way out of position on the swim have to bike way beyond their means and decide to bike beyond their means. I don't think they have a chance. I, even though this is a shorter race than the world championships in St. George, I think the strategy now for these long course type of events is swim as best as you can get in the right pack and maintain or minimize the damage that's done between you and other packs, right? You don't have to get to the front pack to have a chance of winning. We saw that. Uh, we, we saw that with Lionel and Christian Blumenfeld. They didn't come from the front pack at the Ironman world championships. They came from the second pack and there were a couple stragglers in between them and they both, they finished one, two. So I think there's going to be a lot of that. I think we're going to see Lionel, even though he'll ha- probably has that bike fitness, he'll sit still. If there's a pack or a group that that's trying to move through. Um, and, and this race is going to come down to the run. There's going to be minimal damage on the bike people are going to be separated by two three four minutes it's going to be a very very fast run who has it left if you blow it up on the bike you won't have a chance yeah that's my prediction yeah i'm excited to see that too because i think the other little wrinkle is like you said it's shorter than a half but the swim is slightly longer than a half so the bad swimmers might lose an extra eight or ten seconds and then they have about six less miles on the bike which at the speeds that they're going about a mile, a mile an hour is about five to six seconds per mile. Uh, and so you've got six less miles to make up time on the bike. Um, and then the run is about three K less. So again, for those guys, you're probably talking 10 or 12 seconds per K from a fast runner to a mid pack runner. So maybe that's an extra 30 seconds. They won't get back on the run. Um, so just that little bit, I think, that'll kind of make the dynamics a little bit, uh, maybe, maybe a little faster or everybody will feel a little bit more urgency. Okay. Who's your podium? Gustav, Christian Lionel. Okay. Gustav, Christian Lionel. I I would love to see Gustav beat Christian. And that's like, like a rivalry that comes to fruition. That'd be really cool. Um, so just having them go at it, I think this is a win-win. And I, I hope that nothing happens between now and race day where they can't line up together. Um, so I'm just hopeful that they both race. I think, yes, th- th- they should probably be the one, two favorites. Lionel's right there with them. Big Canute's good at this distance, so he's going to swim well. He's going to bike well. Can he hang in there on the run? It's a little bit shorter than a half run. Will he hang in there? I think that's an interesting one. Kyle Smith is going to bike well. He's going to swim well. So he's going to be in there. Jason West, what, what race was he in? He got dropped off the front of the bike. Um, um, so I, he, I would he like, he's going to swim well. I just, does in. he have the bike? Yeah. So will he get dropped off of the bike? I don't think any of the people that are not coming from toward the front of the race are going to have any chance. Jackson Laundry, he could have a chance. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to see Sebastian Keenlight charge through the field, bike really well, get to the front, and then just hold the front for one or two miles on the run. I think that would be a, an awesome farewell for him. But again, no, I don't think he has a chance. Uh, Andrew Starkowitz, he hasn't raced in a long time. 
Uh, well, he did. He did. Um, what did he do? I'm going to have to pull up his results. He did the clash series in Watkins yeah. Glint, which I don't think was very competitive, but um, performed really well there, had really good times. So we'll see what he or how he performs. Did did he get banned for substances or why haven't we seen him? What was it? He, what was the well, he got hit by a car. Oh, he got he hit by missed, a car. He got hit by a truck. I think they ran him into a guardrail and then he missed a long uh, time. Like, but it, it was, was like two right. years. I was like, is that a suspension? Okay. No, it's not. No, it was, um, and I think, I think it was right before COVID. So it wasn't, he didn't actually miss a lot of racing. Okay. Yeah. 2019, he didn't race at all in 2020. He has done a lot of the clash series stuff. He hasn't done a single, um, Iron Man. No, he hasn't been an Iron Man branded race since 2019. Why not? What happened? I'm not sure. He's a little bit older. He can go collect a smaller paycheck by uh, racing a Clash Series race or something like that. Okay. But, okay. Very interesting. Well, I, I'd let, again, I'd like to see him do well because we haven't seen him in a long time. And he was someone that I felt always animated a race, especially on the bike. So it would be cool um, to, to see that again if he's capable of it. But, yeah, I, don't, I guess I don't argue with your podium. Uh, I think that that's pretty reasonable, but there's again, going to be a lot of competition to it. And, uh, and there could easily be some surprises at the end of the day. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to watch or at least follow along. Hopefully, uh, not sure if I'll get to watch live or not, but, um, I'll at least be, oh, I think it's in the afternoon though. So probably, uh, I'll probably be able to catch some of it. Nice. Yeah. Again, uh, if you're not sure where to watch or find it, go to the PTO's website, download the app on your mobile device. It's free to watch, um, and I'm sure there'll be recording. So if you don't catch it live, that shouldn't be a big deal. You'll still be able to catch up on all that action afterward. Yeah. I think that covers it. Keith, anything yeah. else? No, it's good to be back. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll be regular. We're going to be regular. Not hopefully. We're going to be regular. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about. It. We're just gonna do it. Um, so we'll we'll try to get the questions going again. If you have questions for myself or Coach Keith here, feel free to tag us on Instagram hashtag TryFasterPodcast. We'll go through those every week. Pull questions, comments, anything like that um, from Instagram, uh, and and we'll be back with more regular updates going forward. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Good to be back on. Yeah. Likewise. Take care.